0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this
1: looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all
0: one word Broomgate. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
2: Welcome to another edition of Tag the Role. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, good friend Jake Rose. And Jake, how are you doing today, man?
3: I'm good. I'm exhausted. I sat on the couch for a lot of consecutive hours and watched a lot of basketball, and thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sure you did a lot of the same when you weren't traveling. But we're here to talk about it now, and I'm very—I can't wait.
2: Yeah, no, that makes two of us, and that's why I have a worse mic today. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna skate through. It'll be good. Um, the first weekend did not disappoint in the slightest. Like this has been an absolutely bonkers March Madness from St. Peter's, looking just incredible. Uh, I've loved their stuff and everything they're doing. Matt McMahon from Murray State just got hired to go to LSU. Um, like we've had a lot of great storylines, a lot of great games. Um, I do think though, first place I want to start: Michigan State, Duke. Uh, I thought this was a, a great game overall, but b a lot to take away from in terms of just looking at some topics here. Well, let's start with, uh, with Palo. I mean, guy who could potentially go number one overall, he was awesome in this game, man, like, or, or I guess I should just, that's, that's my immediate takeaway. I thought he was fantastic in this game. He did a ton of stuff, um, out of isolation, using his jab step, doing a lot of his crazy footwork mastery stuff. He made. I mean, Joey Hauser was just in a torture chamber. It was very tough <laughs> for him. Um, Like, no, actually, I was talking to a friend of ours who's a scout that I, I won't name. Um, I think Joey Hauser might be, like, the least athletic power five starter who was in a big. And that's not meant as, jo- as Joey Hauser slander. Like, the fact he's gotten to where he's at skill-wise is pretty impressive. But, yeah, that was a very, very rough matchup for him. Uh, but overall, I mean – yeah, Paolo just—he did it all, man. He was so good. And even then, he did the catch and shoot stuff from three that everybody's been clamoring for. I thought he did really well relocating and moving off the ball too. Um, had some incredibly good interior drives and, and and passes off. Like, I mean, everything that that we could have asked for from him, I thought he did.
3: Yeah, I mean, high level basketball game. First of all, like, thoroughly enjoyed watching it start to finish and. Paulo, yeah, it was the main takeaway. He had to be. It wasn't perfect. You still had your moments where you wish you went a little bit quicker and didn't hesitate here and there. A bad process, maybe got stripped on a drive, but hey, it, it's never going to be perfect. And the big time flashes were just so apparent in this game. As you mentioned, whether they were as a self-creator using his frame and footwork to create, finishing windows, uh, just absolutely bullying Joey Houser. Obviously, we're not talking about... As you mentioned, again, NBA competition, but you got to play who's in front of you. And um, Paolo absolutely dominated that game. And there was one clip that stood out to me in particular. It was in the first half. Uh, Paolo kind of kind of got looped into running a DHO, which he ended up keeping, and then you know, faked the DHO, faked the DHO, and then laid down a drop-off. Marco ended up bobbling it, and then it amounted to nothing. But to me, that was like the optimized Paolo play. It just parlayed his decision-making, handling, And just ability to put pressure on the defense as a scorer, and then capitalize on that as a playmaker. And we saw that a lot today. The clip you posted, that's probably, again, one of the most optimized versions of Paulo in the NBA. Relocation, pump fake, redrive, and then the timely drop off. Um, He did a lot of really good things that I think Mike Schmitz had a tweet about just like simplifying his game. And I I think for Paulo, as we're going to see improvements Less more, I think, is a good way to put it. I'm keeping things simple, relying on your strengths and not getting a little bit too carried away that he can tend to do after he hits a couple tough jumpers. But yeah. it, don't we all? Um, and again, Paulo is no perfect prospect, and this was not a perfect game, but man, was it a good one.
2: Yeah, I thought it was really solid defensively as well. Like, he wasn't perfect again, but like he had some really big moments late as well. Um, another thing I would want to hit on with him too um, like you mentioned with the processing, I do think there were times where it was slow, but also, I mean, Michigan state's defense pretty good in this game. Um, overall, I was just really impressed with his ability to dissect them, especially late. I mean, there was a point I'm trying to remember. I think it was 65, 65, um, with like six or seven minutes left in the second half. And then obviously Duke ends up winning by I think 11. Um, and that kind of encapsulates what the offense can look like for Duke when they actually fire on all cylinders. Um, Do you have anything else you want to hit on with Paolo?
3: No. I mean, again, we mentioned it. Just his versatility was on full display. Uh, The catch-and-shoot stuff was awesome. The post footwork, we've seen that all year. But to me, those quick attacks are are the most valuable Paolo clips that you can see late in the season and, of course, will be crucial for his development as a star and an offensive superstar and just a big-time creator. Obviously, there are things to work on, and it's not going to happen overnight, but – yeah, the flashes and just, I hate calling them flashes because he did it for 40 minutes. Um, but yep. some of the plays that he made, we didn't even mention the turnaround jumper, which was just pretty nutty. I actually went to the go to the bathroom and I came back and I go, what did I miss? And my boy was like, oh, you, you'll you'll never guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. Paulo, he goes, it was one of those where everyone went, ooh, and boy, was he right. Um, it just, he does some impressive, really impressive stuff on the basketball court. And then you remind yourself that he's 6'10", 250, and 19 years old. Things aren't really normal that he's doing out there.
2: One thing I did want to ask you, too, because this guy brought up in in a reply thread underneath one of the clips I posted, you know, they want to, people want to see him brutalize guys more, which I get, like wanting to do the full physicality 24 7, that's just a really tough play style. Like, I'm not trying to say it's not possible, but I do think, like, I mean, that's part of the reason why we see, like, okay, Blake. Griffin used to be that guy. A lot of people, I think that there has been some pointing to it in terms of looking at comps for Paolo, which I think those have been all over the place this year. Like Detroit, Blake, Blake Griffin is one of the closest ones, I feel like. Um, and even then, like his play style became a lot less physical playing in Detroit because of all the injuries he suffered. Not to say that's going to be the same thing for Paolo, but like I do think it's a harder pathway than maybe it's, uh, it's brought up but, and I, I, like, I'm probably oversimplifying it to a degree, but it is something worth noting for sure.
0: No,
3: I mean, one thing, like injuries aside, I just think he's too skilled for that. Like he has perimeter skills and defending him on the perimeter. If you're going to, and obviously this is like, as you said, super dumbing it down. If you're going to consistently employ him on the interior, then you kind of broaden the defender that you can play him with, which is a brute stocky bigger four. Who's just going to go, body for body in the post the whole optimization of Paolo is that he can play all over the floor you can employ him with some creation stuff he can run DHOs he can be a screener he can pop he can do all these things and then he can take him to the post and the defender who can check all those boxes and limit him in all those areas those guys are few and far between so I just think yeah while he might be quote-unquote better in that aspect in that particular aspect, overloading on that kind of takes away from the whole idea what makes him special as a prospect.
1: Yeah,
2: no, I'm right there with you, man. Um, all right, well, let's move on a little bit more in this game. Uh, I want to hit on Wendell Moore really quick. I just thought he did a lot of the stuff that continues to be really intriguing to me uh, the secondary playmaking, doing stuff off redrives, like you mentioned, the shooting was there. Uh, He's so good at the one or two dribble pull ups, you know, right around the elbow, which sounds like, again, not a perfect thing. But he hits it at a high enough clip where I'm like, okay, it's something um, was a menace getting to the line. I think he only finished with six field goal attempts, but he had 10 free throws. Like part of that is, um, you know, just the way that Michigan State was playing. But also he's so good attacking off the second side, using his strength to get to the rim. Um, and having enough verticality to make it matter to like, he's not a super vertical athlete, but it's enough. Like it's, you know, not the keels, like zero with percentile verticality to, you know, actually having and we can talk about kills too, but like, yeah, I was really impressed with Lindell. Um, I didn't think he was a complete, uh, curmudgeon defensively, which is saying something compared to some of the past Duke games, but, um, especially like just the, the one main thing I want to hit on his stuff in early offense and transition is what I really like. Cause again, he's not a guy who I think is a real self creator in the NBA or anything, but having a guy who was like, he had a couple of really nice kick ahead passes stuff that we've seen all year. Um, that's the kind of thing that to me, I'm like, okay, I see that being something that you can translate to the NBA, especially as more teams try and transition towards a lot more pace, um, playing with more guys on the floor who can all handle.
3: Yeah. Um, when I was good, the slashing is, I think that's his main NBA skill I'd yep. say and I think it was on full display. I want to mention Mark Williams who I thought was really freaking good in this game. Uh, defensively super active you posted a bunch of clips. Uh he was just a monster in like drop coverage in the entire game. Um Playing between the ball handler and the roll man, had a clip where he stunts at the ball handler and then gets back enough to tip away the lob pass. Um, you post the one where he sticks with Max or sticks with the, uh, the Max ball. Christy. Yeah, sticks with Max Christie coming along and then just like oh, he, he was just everywhere. Um, and also, my offensive skill as well. Had a nice pit, like post hook with some touch. Um, he's just someone where you know he does. He's not a superstar, but you just kind of. Peg, you could feel like you can comfortably peg him into a rotation and backup pigs that can actually hang matter. And um, that's we've talked about this all throughout the years that no position is quote unquote replaceable. If you can get a serviceable NBA player, you get that serviceable NBA player at a certain point in the draft. And um, I don't think Mark Williams is going to be available that late as we as like you'd be comfortable with that tipping point. But um, he was awesome in this game and has kind of been a dominant force all year. So just wanted to give him a quick shout out.
2: Yeah. He's somebody who I think I've gotten a little bit higher on lately because mm-hmm. I do, uh, like, especially again, just in this game, I thought he, he had three or four moments where he was able to put the ball on the deck once or twice and and make a play, which counts. Like a lot of it's not coming off passes or anything, but I do still think like, okay, as long as you can trust your hands and you can make a play at the rim that makes it harder for a defense to hold up on you. And to just, you know, treat you like a non-threat. Um, I do want to see a lot more in terms of what he can do as a short role playmaker. Um, That's gonna TBD on that, which is probably why you and I are maybe a little bit lower on than consensus on him. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, the defense was insane. Like his uh, his ability to stay vertical. Like he does have kind of high hips, but I think there's a tendency for guys with high hips to really lean when they're doing pick and roll defense. Like um, I, I think one of the things that I find so impressive about him is even though he's really long and does have high hips, he's so good at staying vertical. Like he's really good at not bending over and fouling. He's good at keeping his arms straight up. Even if he's not jumping, like he's very good at just staying vertical. Um, and that's a, it's a nice tool to have in your back pocket when you're, you know, you're, it makes it easier on you as a defender. So I like that a lot about him.
3: Yeah. Um, is there anyone else you want to hit on? Gabe Brown was nuclear from three. Gabe.
2: Um, I, 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 the only <laughs> thing I have to say about Gabe continues to be one of my favorite UDFA guys coming up, or maybe late second, who knows what a team thinks. Um, but I mean, yeah, very good shooter can, how do you feel about Gabe Brown off the dribble? Like at least can you, do you believe in him to make one or two, one or two dribbles and a solid decision or play?
3: Oh, I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if yeah, I'm there. Exactly. But, yeah. I think
2: that's uh <laughs> it's either the, like the push shot or floater, or I'm not really sure what's happening. So, um, yeah, but I do think he's a good enough shooter where he's going to get a look. Um, do you want to hit on keels for a little bit? I thought his defense was really good. He had a couple of really nice power drives and scoop finishes, but that's kind of the same stuff we've seen all year.
3: Yeah, I thought it was a little bit more the same. I did, I again, I like the defense. He's competed on there all year, and the lateral quickness, like for someone with his strength, is just better than I think it like should be. Um, and as you said, one power finish, nice scoop finish, hit a big-time three down the stretch. Um, still see some of the processing issues inside the arc as a score uh, when those initial drives are – plans are cut off but i mean i thought it was more of the same from him and christy as well um not really much to write home about
2: yeah it was it was a very tough tournament for him um Mm. he was just pretty quiet in the first game and then in the second game i mean he had that big turnover late which was um you know you can't fully chalk it up to that but it was uh, it was tough um again like i think. That I mean that clip that I put up of Mark Williams blocking a shot was like a perfect encapsulation of where I think he's been at this year. Like, um, I really liked how he set up the screen. I really liked how he started to get downhill. I like his pacing out of ball screens at times and the way that he started to toy with that. But um, to me, at least, and again, I haven't watched every single Max Christie game, but to me, when I watch him operating a ball screen, it just he doesn't feel super comfortable yet with where um when and when not to be assertive like I don't I don't think it's an issue of him not being able to make reads or reading the low man I think it's more just like um he's not used to not being the number one scoring option so it's very different to come in and and not be a guy who is like consistently um finding his own buckets like I I don't know I feel like that definitely plays into it for him and not having a lot of verticality off his front foot definitely hurts him too but
3: Yeah. I mean, the biggest issue for me all year with him is just, I feel like everything on offense is premeditated. I don't feel like he's reading the defense at all. Yeah, Um, He'll take, he'll the same, it's the same exact footwork into the same exact one or two drill pull up, regardless of the contest, regardless of who's there. Um, And it just like, I've seen a bunch of his jump shots get blocked or heavily altered just because he's taking them when a window isn't there, but uh, two dribbles prior, he thought it would be. Um, And Look, I do think there is a foundation there. I'm not in the business of telling people they should or shouldn't go back to school, but um, he's definitely definitely,
2: after how his term went, he's definitely teetering towards looking like somebody should go back. So, yeah, yeah,
3: I uh, mean, and it's not my decision to make for him, but I can say as an evaluator that there's a lot to work on there.
2: Yeah, no, that makes two of us. Uh, do you have anything else you would have from this game? Are you ready to move on
3: to the next one? Nope, nope, we can move on to the next one.
2: All right, well, yeah. Gonzaga Memphis was tremendous. Um, I think this is my favorite game, not just of the tournament, but um, that I've watched basketball-wise in, like, a couple months. Like, this game was awesome. Um, and, I mean, we can start off just talking about Chet and Durin. Uh That was – I mean, that was the main headliner for it. I, although I do want to say – actually, no, let's talk Chet Durin first and I'll, I'll hit on the second thing, but um, – yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, man. Where do you want to start with this?
3: Duren going to post up Chet right off the jump was both hilarious and awesome. And it went as you kind of expected. And then I'm not saying Chet fully had his way with Duren. Like, Duren got him up a couple times, and they both had their battles. I, I think it, the biggest takeaway was how much both of them kind of struggled offensively. Like, both of them just played great defense on each other. And yeah. I think you saw both of them force things a little bit. We saw Duren take, like, a pull-up 18-footer that was a big-time brick. Chet started forcing stuff out of ISO and getting into uncomfortable spots on the floor where he hasn't typically gone this year before. Um, and and I look, at, we can both say that out of these top prospects, these are two of the prospects that are not exactly prioritized as much as they should be by their coaches. So, And someone replied that on one of my tweets. But I think they both deserve an immense amount of credit defensively. Uh, Durham was awesome. Uh, the strength the lateral quickness, not just against Chet, but against Gonzaga's guards when switching out to perimeter. He was awesome there. And Chet just did Chet things. Like, he was everywhere. He was swarming their handlers. He was – when, like, when their handlers were driving, he would get out and deter. Um, uh, it's a shame we only saw them play as, as many minutes as they did because of, let me throw in the air quotes, foul trouble. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'm glad that there are other people, which we're going to talk about, uh, made it to be an incredible game without these top-tier prospects.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I I issue all the same sentiments. Uh, That was – both of them were just so good defensively. Like you mentioned, like, Jalen's coverage versatility was just on full display in this game. Like, it was so freaking good, man. Um, Like, he did a lot to stifle drives. Um, and then Drew Timmy just came alive in the second half. I, I literally messaged our group chat earlier in the first half. I'm like, Timmy, Timmy rattled. I emojis, nope, <laughs> no, I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. Man, it's a big three, uh, hit like every touch shot within 16 feet. It felt like um, his
3: touches. It's it, ridiculous, it's, it's insane, man. Like, like it's what really are you insane. supposed to do
2: with that? Like, I mean, he was There's defended nothing. pretty well. I will say, too, like, DeAndre Williams had a really good game. I know he ended up uh, struggling a little bit with foul trouble, and he had – I think he had a traveler, too. But, I mean, he was, like, part of the reason their offense made anything work. Like, Memphis's offense – I know that they finished close in points, but Memphis's offense was, like – grinding gears man like that was it's tough because that's been the same thing for them all year but um i mean again with having somebody like chet down there who was really able to stifle and just ward off a lot of drives um it was just it was such a fun game man. i i, I no, it was it. awesome yeah and memphis I... pressure was so good like i love watching them play defense the way that they um just absolutely hound opposition was really fun but it also burned them a couple times late as you know he starts to get tired Gonzaga wants to run as fast as shit and if you slip up at all it's a bucket easy easy four on three or five on three so it's just uh yeah
3: the best was I mean I get a call from my dad about like midway through the first half and he's just like I know these guys play on the west coast We're like why don't you why don't you tell me they run like this this is awesome and I'm just <laughs> like I, it's pretty insane. I, they, those guards, Nemhard, and I think that's who we're trying to talk about. Um, yeah. Nemhard was absolutely nuts. And, and you know, you hard to you try not to base anything off one game, um, but he's sort of been he's sort of been trending this way throughout the year as just the key shot maker and guy that stirs the drink and creator for them. Uh, when Strother kind of isn't feeling it off the ball, and Bolton is a little bit more streaky than Nemhard is, uh, just being that composing, common guard. I'm not saying, oh, you're penciling him to be a backup point guard, but that, that seems like someone you're going to want to use a second-round pick on, without a doubt. Um, He was just so good. The handle, the patience, the, I mean, the shot-making was awesome. Hit so many big shots down the stretch for them. Touching the paint, uh, you name it, he he was 10 out of 10.
2: Yeah, no, that's – I mean, that's exactly where I was going. He was – yeah, like you mentioned, I thought he was player of the game almost for, yeah. uh, for Gonzaga. He totally lifted their offense late. Um, my thing with him is like, I, I mean, again, I wasn't as in tune, uh, you know, last, prior years. I know the shot has been a concern, not as much this year, obviously shot 30 and a half percent, pretty good volume, 86% from the line. Um, but I mean, that obviously changes up where you're at with him. Cause he's to me, like, I think he's more of like, obviously he's a, he's a combo, but I think defensively he's more of a two than a one. Um, so where does like, you're just kind of second round and out or where are you at with him?
3: I mean, I would. I think. I think that's where I'm like safely. You, you can place him right now. Obviously, you need to do a little bit more digging before I'd say like first rounder. Um, but yeah, it's. I think the shooting is a huge part of it. As you said, it's been consistent throughout the years. Now, if you just took this one year, 38% on high volume, which I'm sure I don't have the assisted numbers in front of me, but I'm sure a decent amount of unassisted, based on like anecdotally, based on what I've seen. Um, and with the paired with the 87% from the line, it's pretty damn good, but, uh, we are lucky enough to have more than a one-year sample with him and it's hard to completely throw that out the window. So he's definitely someone I'm worth tracking and I'm very excited to watch this weekend.
2: Yeah. No, that makes two of us, man. Um, who else do, do we need to hit on anybody else from this game?
3: Um, I mean, are you a Josh Minot guy?
2: I mean, he has, he had some, some wild verticality. Um, yeah. like the typical <laughs> thing. He's somebody who I need to do a total deep dive on, but um like every time I go to watch Memphis or Jalen Duran play, I'm like, "Oh, well, <laughs> there's Josh Minot Like, there he he just did a massive fucking play and then he he just he doesn't normally like twice a game and you're like, "Okay, cool." Um I don't know what to think of him. Like to me, um like obviously not the same guy. It's different cuz he went to school, but it just reads a lot like, okay, the same thing as like KJ Martin, you know, like Nuclear, nuclear vertical athlete shows a little bit of like maybe there's some kind of handling there. He's not necessarily poor fuel guy, um, and a lot of the questions going to be: Can he shoot? What else can he do with the ball in his hands? I have no idea what to make of him yet. Again, he's something I really want to dive deep into more. Do you have any other thoughts on him?
3: No, I think mean, that's that's kind of what I. What, you summed up my thoughts, where it's a lot of flash-based stuff. There's not a substance. Um, if you were to ask me to peg a role or where does he provide value on offense, really, I wouldn't be able to give it to you other than just, like, making a flash putback or being a lob threat or, maybe like, as the K.J. Martin thing, like, being a smaller role man who had just has the vertical explosion to make up for it and be a lob threat and gives you defensive versatility because he is that level of athlete, absolutely. I made some good hustle plays, but, yeah, I, that's kind of where I'm at as well.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, also, just quick shout-out to Tyler Harris. I love watching Tyler Harris play basketball. And he had, he went on, like, a little mini heater for, for Memphis, too, and was really key for them. Um, fun player. Uh, and I just love seeing the way that Memphis came together on the back end of the of, of the season. Like, from where we were at with them, you know, like, 10 games in, um, yeah. they got absolutely housed by a, a, a an Iowa State team, which shout-out to that Iowa State team making the Sweet 16. Um, we don't talk about
3: that here. I we tweeted this out, but that, yeah. like
2: this Iowa state team lost by 31 points to Texas tech. I mean, no Texas tech, no slouch. I picked them to make the final four this year, but like that is, it's not exactly like a team that I I, I would have thought would make the sweet 16, but we're here now. So um, yeah, let's move on to talk about another uh, high profile group. Let's go talk about Baylor. They lost to North Carolina this weekend, although the rest tried to make it otherwise. Um, not obviously it's not entirely on the rest, but that officiating was terrible. Um, what, what do you take away from this game with both Jeremy? Sohan and Kendall Brown,
3: maybe more the same. Uh, and I think this is when, like, when you're probably watching these guys, we're probably into double digit times, like watching and scouting pretty in depth. You're not necessarily picking up on, there's not necessarily new things to pick up on, but rather just tracking trends that you've been keeping me up with and one of those trends is jeremy so taking on a an increased load of creation and maybe it's good maybe it's bad uh some of it seems a little forced um his counters while they're in, intriguing is somewhat limited sometimes uh, the jumper didn't fall which I, I think like that's again just running issue but i thought he was good and defensively he was awesome um and like that is that's what someone's gonna do from day one is defend. You gotta be stay patient with the offensive stuff. Hope he can space the floor as well as possible from day one, and then the ball skills and closeout attacking slowly comes along. But I mean, I thought the defense was great. Kendall, you know, he had I feel like he had one good drive if I remember correctly, but. You know, it hasn't really been moving the needle much for me lately. Uh, the shooting and lack of floor space and reared their head for both of them. Hey,
2: hey, uh, you can't. I mean, he took four shots in this game from from outside, yeah. <laughs> which was like the least expected thing of all time. Um, like, and it was early offense stuff too. It wasn't just like a late. Shot no, yeah, yeah, he had the ball. Um, I mean, I think I I'm there with you too. Just on Sohan, um, I thought the defense was awesome in this game. Like, you can't quibble with that at all. They really missed LJ Cryer. Um, they also really, I mean, live by the Akinjo, die by the Akinjo. Like, this was a very tough game. Um, like, I think, I mean, normally, where you're just used to seeing a better James Akinjo. He was a lot better in the second half, but that, I mean, that was one of the roughest halves I've watched him, like, ever. Um, that is not a
3: formula that I would recommend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's what they've been on this year, but – um uh, and this is not intended as a kind but yeah, for Sohan, I don't know where are you out with his shot? Like obviously at the bank three, um, later on in the game, but like the, the drives have been really intriguing. He's awesome at drawing some fouls on them. Um, I love the physicality, but like you mentioned, I am like not worried about the counters, be the wrong way to put it, but it does feel kind of like, um, I, I don't know the exact word for it, but I think, you know, what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah.
3: I mean, look, if we're being honest, like the shooting projection isn't very good. Um, And we can, I'm going to assume that he's probably a one and done because he's getting lottery buzz. Uh, Final numbers, 29.6% from three on 81 attempts and 59% from the line on 90 attempts. It's not very good. And, you know, we can say, especially when it comes to jumpers, if it ain't broke, don't fix it this is broke um, in basketball terms. And, and like, as the saying goes, I don't, I don't think the release is detrimental, but I think there are certainly some things to clean up to make it a little bit smoother, make it a little bit less to motion. Um, I just think, you know, something needs to be either repped out or fixed. And I think it's kind of, I don't want to say I came off more worried because that's wild to just say, off of one game but I think going that one game going back through all the shooting stuff and then like going back through clips and you're like damn like this is a little bit worse than I think I gave it credit for and it was one of those things where it's like yeah I think I'll kind of shoot it enough and look if you're it just if you have you try to apply the same benefit of the doubt to everyone and getting so on to that level would require you to bump a lot of other players up notches that I'm not really comfortable doing I'm I'm I want to like. I'm a little worried. Is that is that fair to say?
2: I think it's fair to say. And here's like, I don't want to again. This is not meant as like pitting guys against one another. But are you because this has been kind of like two of the guys similar idea, um, Tari and 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 Jeremy Sohan. Like I would be especially after I because I couldn't watch any of the games live. I loaded up a bunch of LSU games to to just watch some more Tari. And I think I came out especially after watching Baylor recently too. Um, I'm just higher on Tari and his projection, especially as a shooter than I am with Jeremy right now. I do think Jeremy is a much more reigned in defensive player. Um, and I probably trust his playmaking flashes a little bit more and just his feel overall. But um, it's, I, I don't know. I think like, I still, again, I still think he's a, a lottery worthy player and it's going to depend on where we both come out on him. But yeah, um, it's not just based off the one game, but I do think we saw some of this stuff. It's like, Oh, okay.
3: Yeah. And I, I just, Tari is, I more above all, I trust Tari to score the basketball much more than I trust Sohan to score, like from day one and if we're talking high end production. And yes, Sohan is more reigned in defender, but the gap between Sohan, even if we are going to call him the better defender, they're neck and oh, neck I there. Oh, I probably and, wouldn't call.
2: I, I think Tari's going to be a better defender. I know some think I think, to, I
3: think Tari's going to be a better defender as well. But I'm saying, even if someone were to say that, I, I don't think you could even make the rational argument that the gap is bigger between them defensively to make up forward offensively. Tari's a legit... Like, Tari's been legit shooting, shooting. Um, yep. And as well as being a viable creator. And I don't want to say much... Actually, no. Someone's been greening a lot from the standstill, especially as a late. So I that's unfair to him to say. But I definitely trust Tari's scoring, finishing, uh, touch more. I, I just think it's more translatable.
2: Um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and one last thing I do want to hit on too, uh, I actually kind of think, and I don't know, I, I want to see where you're at in this cause I did get some pushback on it. I actually kind of like the idea of Kendall maybe going a little bit lower, like his draft stocks going to probably push him to just because I, I I'm interested to see him, um, potentially go to a team that's going to ask him to do something that's a smaller role, you know? Um And I, I think that there's an idea that maybe, I'll, well, you know, I'd rather him go somewhere else where maybe they try and coax more out of him. And I think my issue is, I don't know, not to say that I don't think he can be more than what he is. I think he definitely can, but it just in terms of like being somebody who's actually running offense you, his handle just isn't there. Like, I don't no. think that that's a thing. Um I think a lot of it's going to be, can he become like the supercharged role player? And I think that's a, a very good thing. Um, like I'm very encouraged, like, okay, what if we can just give, like, I would love to see like what, what the Grizzlies do with Zaire, uh, Williams. I'd love to see somebody do with, with Kendall Brown. Like, can you give him a guaranteed 10 to 15 minutes a game and just say, go play defense, shoot open corner threes. Obviously there's more to it than that. Cause Zaire is a, a better shooter coming in and, and just a willing shooter. But like, um, can you give this guy an established role? Help him buy into his development, and then try and expand his skill set out from there. Because I do think that's the kind of player you have with him. Like I don't think he's somebody like if you ask him to come in and play twenty to twenty-five minutes per game on a on a um, on a not very good team right now. Like I don't know what you're doing with that. To a degree. Yeah,
3: and I think that we talk we've mentioned on the pod. There's multiple ways to go about development depending upon the player and. Throwing Kendall on one of these teams that are flooded with other prospects that you're tinkering with their development at once, while also trying to figure out how to play him and where to play him. I don't think that's advantageous for either side. I think as you, as you said, going to a team that is way more polished, they have their core, they even have the rotation and they're just looking for one little spark look. Hey, we need you guys to come in, play hard as shit, set screens, roll to the rim hard, be a lob threat. like eight. He's a freaky vertical athlete. Like I think he can absolutely be a lob threat if you have the requisite shooting to surround him with, and of course the passing too. Like that was always—it's always been a big selling point for him. But yeah, as you mentioned, I, I don't necessarily think throwing him to the fire and saying go figure it out or, or and go be a wing and run X amount of pick and rolls. I, I don't think that's really doing him true justice because you're gonna—he's going to be a niche player, and I don't really think that's going to change uh, unless there were some severe developments to occur. And so I just think wasting your time in that sense with one of these lottery or top 10 teams is, I feel like you're just not going to reap the best of him and versus if you were to a team in the low twenties, late teens um, who has an identity and is just, they know exactly what they want and they're going to ask him to do these two to three things, which I think is what you're getting at.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I don't have anything else to hit on this other than shout out to Brady Manic turning into an absolute flamethrower before he got <laughs> tossed, which I don't think he should have been tossed, but that's a whole other thing. I, um, I, we're not wasting I time the, on the refs. <laughs> I agree that it was a flagrant, but that tossing somebody like that in the tournament was just kind of bonkers to me, but um, we move. Uh, let's talk. I'm actually skipping around. Let's talk about Oshai, uh, Agbaji and Christian Brown really quick. Um, and Arthur Kluma too. Uh, first of all, I have to go on my soapbox really quick. This Creighton team is going to be so good next year. Like, they're they're going, going to be so good. Be very good. <laughs> like I'm very bummed. That's, like, honestly. I'm if, so glad you said this. Like, this Creighton team almost beat Kansas without Ryan Kalkbrenner or with, and without Ryan Nemhard. Like, it's yep. just like, I mean, Nemhard was awesome this year. I think he was Big East freshman of the year. Uh, Kalkbrenner was Big East defensive player of the year. Um this team was already, I think they were what, like a top 20, top 15 defense in D one this year. And they're going to be presumably even better next year. Like, yes, they're losing Alex O'Connell and Ryan Hawkins who were both big for them, but um, they have Mike Miller's son, I believe redshirted this year. Um, I don't know a whole ton about him, but I know he was like high RCI guy, which doesn't mean shit sometimes, but, you know, we'll <laughs> see. Um, but they have a good recru- recruiting class coming up if I remember correctly. Um Actually, can we, all right, So since I, since I love with Craig, can we talk about Kaluma first?
3: Yeah, we can talk about Kaluma. Okay. You, I, you start with him.
2: All right. I don't have, like, crazy, crazy Kaluma thoughts. Like, I am not somebody who thinks he should enter the draft this year unless, like, some crazy buzz happens if he goes to the combine and somebody falls in love with him. But um, I still think he's a guy who needs another year. Um, to figure some things out because this was like the perfect Kaluma game. Like if you could make everything possible, that would be good for Arthur Kaluma to happen in one game. That was this game. I mean, what was he like five of 10 from outside? And he's shot like 29% from three on the year. Um, he had some wild drives to the interior. He was so good on the glass. I still, I probably am. I, I, I mean, you and I probably are both the same on his defense. Like I think he has good defensive flashes, but he's 19. So, um, Yeah, there are times when the defense isn't great, but, um, you see the idea of like, okay, this wing forward who, um, has like kind of a really quirky athleticism to him. Like he's got really, he's honestly, does he have bow legs? It's like something like that. Like he's got very odd movement, um, and I mean that in a good way, but just like compared to how you're looking at most players, like, and I think you can throw some guys off. But, like, he's a very fun, very interesting player. I don't know where I'm at with uh, with his feel for the game or just playmaking or ability to make things happen off drives that aren't scoring. Um, but, I mean, shout out to him, man, because he was absolutely tremendous in this game. And I'm very excited to see what he looks like next year because he's a guy who's going to be a first-round lock to start the year for sure.
3: Yeah, no, he was super fun. He's the one you, like – when you watch him play, you're just like, oh, the audacity! Like of the <laughs> audacity of some of the shots that he was taking and making in this game to his credit. Um, he was really fun. G- gave Gonzaga, they gave or Kansas, they gave Kansas a real game. Um, as someone knows, Kansas is going very far in their bracket, I sweated that one a little bit more than I thought I would, and it's credit to them. I'm so happy you started with Creighton because all my friends that were talking about when they're watching this game they pan to Colt Brenner, um, who's hurt, unfortunately, and Baby Namhar, who's also hurt. And just like, damn, they're gonna be so good next year when they bring the majority of these guys back and then those two are healthy. Um, So, shout out to them. Uh, No current prospects, in my opinion, but a very fun basketball team with an extremely bright future.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, Trey Alexander too, who we didn't even mention was a freshman this year, and he's really fun. Um, Yeah, they're gonna be fun. I'm very excited to watch them play. yeah, let's talk about the uh, the Kansas guys because in some ways this was a really good litmus test for them because um, Creighton, like they were only 74th in defense this year, which is way lower than I thought. Um, part of that has been injuries and whatnot, but um, like this was a very good test for them defensively, I think. To start, let's start with Brown. Um, I like Christian Brown a lot, but I think I've lowered on him a little bit as the season's gone on, partially due to his real hesitancy as a shooter at times. Um, like he's almost overlooking to make the right pass Um, but I mean I thought we saw three or four times in this game him trying to make just one dribble off the bounce and having issues Um, which is a real problem Uh, like for somebody who is six five six six like okay if he's a four maybe I get it a little bit more and you can you can finagle it but I do think it is a real issue when you have somebody who's really struggling to string together two dribbles and they're presumably a three
3: in the NBA. Yeah. I think that's the problem with both Ochai and Brown. Uh, It's that these guys would make a lot more sense if they were six, seven, six, eight, but they're probably six, five, six, six, um, and are going to be twos or threes. And which we were talking about this a little bit. It's, when you're not able to provide like real secondary creation, which I don't really think any, either of these guys are going to provide, you're relying on closeout attacks. And I think Braun is can shoot like he's, I think he's like shooting 39% from three. And like, yeah, has like been I believe in him
2: as a shooter, but it's just yeah. like the, he needs to believe in him as a shooter is
3: the problem. Mm-hmm. 100%. And the hesitancy was very evident in this game. He passed up multiple good looks and this is nothing new. And it was Creighton's game plan was very really interesting. And, kind of threw them into these uncomfortable situations because of how they basically took Dewan Harris out of the game. And Dewan Harris has come on for Kansas and been the speedy little point guard who's going to get into the paint and send the defense into rotation for everyone else to feast off of it. He was kind of non-existent because they treated him like Ben Simmons and, and sagged off of him eight feet and said, hey, if you're going to beat us, shoot the ball. And that didn't happen. So those initial rotations that those Kansas wings guardy wings Ochai and Brown usually feast on weren't necessarily there and Kins had a lot of trouble in the half court creating offense and Remy Martin saved them the game in the first half we won't talk about what happened in the second half but when it, it's a testament to Ochai and Brown both their abilities or limitations as creators in the half court both as handlers athletically um, brown is obviously a big time athlete but more of a run and jump athlete rather than a downhill guy with the ball in his hands um so i think both of their projections are going to be heavily dependent on their outcomes as shooters which makes things get a little bit interesting
2: yeah no that makes uh that makes two of us i i'm I'm definitely locked up with you um i mean i feel like we're in the same place with O chai too like he made some really nice plays defensively that that boosted his game um and I think that was huge too. But I mean we're kind of getting at the same point with him and, and Brown. Yeah. 100 percent Um yeah, we're well, let's go. Let's talk about Jay Nivey. Um, he has had himself a tournament. He's had himself, I mean, he had himself a a Big Ten tournament as well. Um, the game against Texas last night was just so good. Um, like they absolutely shut out. Texas over like the last three minutes of that game um and a big part was what I was doing like I thought he was again like really solid defensively but more um what he's starting to do like they're just giving him the ball and letting him do things offensively like especially because he was in foul trouble a little bit um last night and so first of all shout out to Travion Williams because he was fucking awesome last night um just what a freaking game from him. But uh, just using more screens instead of running him off of pin downs, uh, letting Jaden just cook, and it worked. It
3: was very boy good. Was he, boy, was like, he cooking.
2: Yes. Like, the his downhill juice has been nuts. Uh, like, there were times, like, te- Texas is ridiculous defensively, and they just had no answer for him. Like, even if – I think he only had, like, eight points early – um, and he had most of the rest of his points came late. I think he finished with 18. I think all 10 of his points came in, like the last five minutes of the second half. Um, but even though he wasn't scoring, like he was still creating everything for the offense. And that's part of what I found most exciting. Like you, he was getting opportunities to just run ball screens, eviscerate the defense in the middle of the court. And while the ball placement is still like, yes, it is very shaky on his passes. Like he had a pass to the, to the slot that like hit the ground first. And it was not an intentional bounce pass. Um, it was still a bucket though. Cause of like how crazy his gravity is. But like, um, I mean, you can see him like making some of the corner reads when instead of like some of the things that would have been a really rough attempt at the rim earlier in the year with three guys around him, he's kicking it to the corner and no, the ball placement's not great, but the way that he's impacting defense and then being able to actually make a play out of it, that's not a, a layup. Um, I was really impressed with that. And some of the stuff he's doing, just pacing and tempo wise, like, okay, I'm going to use my handle a little bit and throw you off going one way. And then I'm just going to absolutely humiliate you because my first step is touched by God. So, um, like he was, uh, the one that I clipped, like he didn't even go into the screen. Like Trevion goes to set up a screen. Um, I think it was, uh, Marcus Ramey or not Marcus, uh, Tony Ramey. I can't remember his first name to be completely honest. Yeah. Yeah, it is Tony Ramey. Okay, good. Um, who did have a really nice game yesterday. But uh, he just absolutely dusted Tony Ramey. Like, didn't even like completely re-react to the screen. And that was that was like play of the game for me. Uh, sorry, I've gone on and on and on. But, like, it was – Is this the way – is this the
3: pull-up in the second half?
2: No, or no, I'm talking about – This is uh, in the
3: first half when he
1: th- – No, this it's, he- in,
2: it's in the second half still. Okay. Um, where, yeah, Travion goes to set the screen. Uh, Jaden's coming off the far side of the court – um and goes right into it. It was oh god, it was so good.
3: No, I mean he he looked like a superstar last night. Like there is, it's not even hyperbolic. We're not exaggerating. Like that was what everyone saw. And I mean, after the game, I threw out a poll, him versus Jalen Green as prospects, and the what I was getting at behind that is exactly what you just brought up, which is his ability to just get into the paint and decimate the defense and make a huge impact on the game without even scoring the basketball. And as incredible of a prospect as Jalen Green was, I I trusted him more as a shooter and he's a little bit bigger. Ivy's just further ahead of him in that aspect in terms of getting into the paint and making the defense pay as a playmaker. And that was on full display last night. Great uh, Great passing game from him. He just, I don't even know, it's mesmerizing. The first step, the speed with the ball, in transition, in the half court, rejecting screens and just getting a burst downhill. Like, it it just looks like he's playing on a different playing field than everyone else in the court. We're talking about Texas, who is like, has dudes. Like, they might not have been as good as everyone thought they would be, but definitely not short on talent or athletes. And uh, he just looked like someone who didn't belong in that court, and it's probably because he doesn't. And it's honestly, it's probably as simple as it comes down to uh, shooting, passing, uh, obviously the step back and the threes down the stretch. were. That
2: was, yeah, that was amazing. the icing on the cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: That was the cherry on top. Like uh, everything up to that point had been incredible and mind blowing. And then he topped it off with that. Just an awesome game from him continues some in-season progression. That is, I, I think our friend Zach Miller tweeted about this morning, like more people should probably be talking about the fact that, in December and January, early, I mean, probably just January. Jade Navi was just coming off a ball screen, taking off from two feet and throwing himself into a ball into the rim protector and trying to finish. And now he is just running pick and rolls and taking mid range jumpers, reading what the defense gives him. It's spraying it out of the corner. Um, it's certainly not perfect. As you mentioned, when it comes to processing, passing accuracy, passing velocity, There are very much improvements to be made, but the strides that he's made in season in such a short amount of time, uh, just leave me very optimistic for his future.
2: Oh, that makes two of us. And my dog agrees too. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, I think, I mean, we hit on Trevion a little bit. I think, I mean, we've talked about Trevion in depth, so we can, we can skip that for now, but that was like banner game for him. Um, let's move on to talk about, um, I guess it shouldn't be a sizable upset looking at it now, but the Auburn Miami game, a lot to talk about with Jabari Smith. Um, I think the best way to sum this up is first of all, credit to Miami, their game plan was fantastic. And I thought they executed it really well. Uh, And it was just pressure, the absolute shit out of their ball handlers. Um, And I think we really saw a lot of the, um, some of the real issues with this Auburn team, just in terms of playmaking, Um, like turnovers galore yesterday. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess the first thing we can do is start off by much bar because he had a really rough game yesterday. I think he finished three of 15 or three of 16 from the field. Um, I will say, too, like I am not like this doesn't make me any lower on him. Like, I, I do think some people are probably going to use this as a um, a little bit of a narrative thing, which I think is unfair. Um, but I do think it also helps reinforce some of where I am. You and I are both at on him.
3: Yeah, I, I don't want to start. Like, Miami is a god awful matchup for Auburn. Like, yeah, those it's experienced guards versus erratic guards. They. I'll have say this, the, dude, like, not to cut
2: you off, but like, say I if this team played St. Peter's, they would have had the exact same problem as Kentucky. Like, if mm. they got pressured that way the entire game, yeah, it was it would have been a nightmare.
3: Yeah, but it just Auburn used, or Miami used Auburn's second biggest advantage against them and stretch the floor. Sam Warrenberg was incredible holding up defensively and was able to just play Walker Kessler off the floor. And Auburn was a little bit of a different team without his interior finishing and presence. And Jordan Miller gave Jabari the fix. Can we, can we just
2: talk about Jordan Miller for a second? I'm vindicated because
3: I sent in, I sent in the group chat on Thursday, Jordan Miller is incredibly fun. I don't know NBA prospect wise, but One of the players I've enjoyed the most watching this tournament, and he was even better than I could have expected against Auburn. Uh, Vertical athlete had the mid-range game going. Was in Jabari's grill, Uh, and again, as you said, this isn't this. Jabari just didn't make shots. Like, does this mean he's not a shooter all of a sudden? Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that. And he's had these games before. If you've seen them. He had this game at Missouri. The, like these have happened, and every prospect has them. Paulo has had absolute duds. Chet has had games where he's been completely taken out offensively and had trouble with other team's strength. These, this, these happen. Like these guys play thirty games, and you're going to get poor performances. That's not. I'm not here to say that Jabbar's all of a sudden bad. It's just that the shots just kept not falling, and it was it was actually interesting. I don't usually watch games with the commentary on. But I was kind of feeling it because you get a lot of the big time commentators in March Madness. And it was Grant Hill, and I'm blanking on the play by play guys who were on that game. But they were just kept saying, oh, he's settling, he's settling, get to the rim, try to get to foul. And I'm just like, this is really interesting talking about people who have probably seen Jabari for like the second or third, maybe fourth time. And I'm just sitting there like, no, no, this is what it is. Like, we're going to ride this out until we die. And then there are games, you have the games where it's taking those same shots and he's putting up 30 pieces on because it's, it's just nuclear and. My point is that is not that Jabari is all of a sudden bad it's just all the stuff we've kind of been hitting on what I wrote about in terms of not being able to. Put pressure on the defense and create paint touches and generate advantages and self create rim attempts that stuff was on full display and it, it matters.
2: Yeah, no, exactly, and I think, like, part of why I wanted to hit on Jordan Miller is, like, I thought that was, uh, like you talked about with Missouri, like, they just, Jordan Miller's, what, 6'6", definitely a plus, plus wingspan guy, but, like, yeah. he just chased Jabari the entire night, like, I I don't want, I, I'm pretty sure that they matched minutes or was close to it, I, I mean, I know that Jordan ended up playing, like, 40 if you include overtime, um, like, I mean, you just put an athlete who has length on him and it. Like the, the issue is like, we're so like Jabari hits these shots. Like, I think that I wrote that in my notes. Like, immediately, I'm like Jabari has just missed a bunch of shots that he normally hits, but also it normally makes you like, this is, if you have somebody who is a really tough quality defender, who's able to stick to you like glue, like, okay. It makes it a lot harder to hit some of those shots too. Um, granted too. Like, I think there was a stat pulled, like, I think it was within, like, it was still in the first half. And Auburn had missed nine layups at the rim.
3: So, I saw like, that come up on, I think, on the scoreboard. I'm <laughs> pretty sure
2: Jabari and Walker Kessler combined shot like 25 percent at the rim. It was ridiculous. Something like that. Like we just have never seen it happen this year. Like yes, regression happens, but also like not like that. Like that. That's part of what makes the tournament wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, I will say too. Like Jabari's defense in this game was awesome. I thought he was awesome. very good defensively, as he has been all year. Um, He had like that really nice block too, cheating back on the Isaiah Wong, and we'll talk about in a minute. But um, yeah, I, I think we're in lockstep. Like, this doesn't, this shouldn't really change your mind about Jabari. This is something that I think has been present all year. It was just a really rough game the way that happened, honestly.
3: Yeah. Tough way to go out. And I like, it's, I don't want that to leave a bitter taste in people's mouths. Like, this is the same shots he's hit all year, but it's just about how you're getting to them and again, what your counters are. But I don't want to beat the drum too much, but yeah. he was awesome defensively. The lateral quickness was on full display. Was had no issues sliding with Miami's guards, playing out on the perimeter, switching. Had a big time block, as you mentioned. Uh, good, very good defensively, and I think that should definitely be noted.
2: Well, yeah, I mean that gives us the opportunity to talk about Isaiah Wong now, who was I mean he was the man of the game. The dunk he had on Jabari was nutty. um Like that was absolutely wild to see. Um, I, I guess what I just want to ask you first before we even talk about his game, I mean, where are you at with Isaiah Wong as a prospect? Because he's somebody who had been on my radar this year, but I'll be completely honest, I just didn't watch very much of Miami because I knew he wasn't shooting particularly well from three. He wasn't upping his volume. Um, I Like, he really made real strides as a finisher this year. Like, I think he shot over 50% on twos for the first time in his career. A lot of that is his finishing craft, which was on full display in this game. Like, he hit some really tough shots, but also, like – some of the stuff that he's able to pull out really damn impressive in the paint. Um, so where are you at with him after watching this? And like, I, I know I still want to go and do more of a real deep dive on who he is I'm, as a player, but I was pretty intrigued.
3: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I need to go back and watch more because he was really damn good. And in the first, in the first game, he was absolutely dominant. He only, I think he had 23 points in like 22 minutes because of foul trouble, but USC had no answer for him. And that's two power five teams that he's now torn apart in the tournament. A nutty athlete, as shown by that dunk, big time shop contestant, shop maker, shop creator. How tall do you think he is? Because obviously, he's not like a primary. He's
2: 6'3. It's not. Yeah, like I, he's not.
3: I, I sadly, I wish he was a little bit bigger and like maybe a little bit better of a playmaker, just from my anecdotal memory. But definitely someone like I'm going to spend time circling back to because uh, he's made his mark on the tournament and has the flashes that leave you wanting more.
2: Yeah, Coral or, Gable's
3: Trey wanting to watch more. <laughs> no, the handle's not like that, but it's okay. no, I know.
2: But like in terms of like the idea of like creating some space and um, yeah, very fun. Again, not not the same player, but I had to I had to get some kind of shot at. It. But yeah, he was very fun to watch. Um, definitely someone we'll come back to. Um, is there anything else you want to hit on from this game?
3: No, uh, that, this was also one of well, I can't say favorite because it wasn't particularly close, but one of the more fascinating games to watch. Um, Auburn kind of just unraveled and like in the last five minutes four minutes just decided i saw a tweet which is perfect it was like auburn's playing like they're playing the last pickup game at the wreck and where it's just everyone's tired and we're just jacking together 21 um, which i thought was pretty funny and it's it was it was interesting to see them against a team with their starting lineup have an average age of 23 an experienced coach who just was like, hey, we're gonna keep taking this. Like keep giving the ball to us, keep jacking up these shots. Um it was really a tail of two styles so and fascinating game to watch.
2: Yeah. No, 100 percent man. Um well let's move on. We have two more we want to hit. Or I guess one and a half. Um because I'm not gonna hit on the last one because I need to watch it yet. But uh let's talk about um Ben Matherin's game, or I should say Benedict. He likes being called Benedict, not Ben. Um, uh, against TCU, and I, we got to talk about TCU too because they were very fun. Um, I will say one thing that I hope gets cleared up. There was some some awkwardness with uh, Benedict Matherin leaving the court. Um, hopefully that gets addressed because that was not cool. Um, again, didn't look intentional, but at the same time, like that's just something you gotta you gotta you gotta put up about, man. Um, this game was really freaking fun. Um, I was not expecting this from TCU. Like, I texted you this earlier today. I was like, "This is this is TCU? Like, what? Uh, like, I'd seen them play this year. They played Georgetown earlier this year. uh God, thank God that season's over." Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I was not expecting this this kind of game. Um, and Mike Miles was like, Mike Miles was like the best prospect on that team. It was five of twenty from the field. Granted, you got to the line a bunch, but like. If you just looked at the box score, you would have no idea what happened in this game. I think it's the best way to put it.
3: Former McDonald's All-American Charles Abanin Jr.
2: He's got verb, man. I like like return. I got roasted for this high in the chat. Boy. I love watching this guy shoot. Like <laughs> it is not a pretty shot, but it's picturesque to me. Like I love guys who have a fade in every shot, no matter what. I I love a leg flare. Um, very fun he had like this monster two-footed dunk out of the dunk dunker spot too like without a dribble I was like what the fuck is happening it was very fun man uh, Eddie Lampkin too oh my uh, god Eddie Lampkin
3: was the man um TCU came to play they were not backing down um maybe could have won the game should have won the game um but now we're here to talk about I don't really have any like prospects of the Mike Miles and he always had a tough game but Mathlin was really impressive I'm um, Obviously, the dunk was, yeah, that was, that's pretty legit. And the stuff that was more impressive to me, obviously he got some of, he had a big off the dribble three to tie it, which was absolutely huge. Another off the, dri- the dribble three in the first half, but was more, was more impressive to me is Bathroom was really creating uh, as a self-creator in the first half. And even when the shot wasn't falling, even going into the second half, he, he wasn't necessarily scoring the ball from a field goal's standpoint but i feel like he was making the positive impact on the game as a creator using his tool when he's using his tools in a decisive manner his first step is pretty wicked as uh, as like as a rip or just driving a straight line um when he's asked to kind of change directions and use the handle it gets into a different story but rip like going driving down a hill in a straight line and getting the ball in a reversal and decisively ripping to the basket he was getting free throws on free throws and that was really encouraging to see him make an impact consistently even when the shot wasn't falling passes were awesome he had a couple really good passes great skip after again caused a full rotation off just the simple rip drive and he kind of showed he kind of showed it all honestly as like an off-ball complimentary player
2: yeah, no, I agree. Um, like you mentioned, uh, I actually did think he had a really nice moment with his handle. He had a good cross coming out of the right slot um, after it was kind of a catch and drive, but it was also from a standstill. Like he let his man get set and then he like he kind of used it against him, which I really liked. Um, did not end up getting the finish, but he had like a, um, a kind of a, an around the world type finish that Christian Coloco finished off.
3: I know um, exactly what player you're talking yeah. about. And I have that clip because that was one of the things I was talking about. Just that was what I actually was surprised he did
2: not get a foul on that. Um, yeah. Because he, he definitely drew contact on it. But, yeah, he uh, – I I mean, I I can't really expand anything on that. Like, you hit the nail on the head. He was very good in that aspect. And that's stuff we want to see more of. Like, I was very impressed with that.
3: I was um, so I, well, I was going to say, speaking of in-season developments, I feel like the first time we talked about Matherin was right around the time when they played in Vegas, when they played in Michigan. And yeah. he – Kind of had his big his first big like national stage game. And he gave Michigan buckets, but it was a lot of in-between floaters, mid-range pull-ups, catch and shoot threes. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is good, but like show me more. And he had a couple of off-the-dribble threes, had a wild movement three on their baseline of bounds. I love in Arizona, like everyone's Tommy Lloyd is great X's nose. Every once in a while, it's just like spread them all out, mathern sprint to the corner, catch and turn, and fire. And they ran that one and he actually, he, it was bottoms. And so for him, I think he's very quietly expanded his offensive arsenal as the season has gone on, which has been very encouraging to see.
2: Yeah. And I, um, I really like to, he had a, uh, another drive out of the slot um, where he normally has really struggled with digs for a lot of the year. And he was able to gather the ball, still got off a really nice floater that went in um, again, good stuff to see. Um, Let's talk about Christian Coloco for a minute. Like yeah. he I think he had 14 points in about six minutes. Like he was nuts, man. The game plan early, because they just I mean, Eddie Lampkin is very groundbound. Like uh, the dunk that he did have was like I think like he he was first of all just very fun player. I cannot execute that enough. Very fun player. The vibes were insane. He had such a good defensive game. Um, but they had him fronting Coloco most of the game. Um, and anytime they had anybody fronting, they they had anybody fronting Coloco. I was like, I know uh we definitely have questions about what he can do um as a short roll passer and just decision maker overall. But I was really impressed with some of his fluidity, you know, just the, uh, it he would catch the ball quick, you know, drop step, quick up and under, anything like that. Like he had some really nice moves. Again, we're not here to necessarily hype up post moves for somebody who who might end up being a second round pick, but like, um, you know, if that's not something that you can actually build your game around in the NBA, but like, I think having the ability, if you're seven, seven foot one and you make it so the defense can't just put somebody else on you or play you out or scheme you out. um, I was pretty impressed with that. Uh, I thought he had a really good game and defensively too. uh, I thought he was tremendous. Like the, his ability, like he's, he's really, he he's not amazing at it, but I do think he had some really nice moments of using his hand to jab a little bit and to deter ball handlers. And he's a big reason for why Mike miles went five of 20 from the field.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. Coloco was dominant and has been as of late. Oh, uh, all do, right. Oh, go ahead. You want to hit on Kenneth Kennedy Chandler real quick before we head out of here.
2: Yeah. I unfortunately have not gotten to watch this game yet. I'm going to, but I want to hear your thoughts because I heard it was a very good Kennedy Chandler
3: game. So right from the jump, Kennedy was aggressive, which is the first thing you like to see from him. Definitely have had some games where he's a little bit passive, slides more off the ball, doesn't attack when he can. But this one, he was on go all game. Maybe that, that's because he knew that Michigan can't defend on the perimeter. Maybe he didn't and figure that out on the flat. But he was getting to the rim, taking and making pull-up jumpers, a lot of nice drop-offs for his teammates, and just really just putting pressure on the defense consistently. Um not much else to it. Super fast, good finishing craft, made pull-ups. That's you know when stuff when Kenny Chandler's on. it's what he's doing. But definitely wanted to give a quick shout out to him. Uh, although they won't be moving on. Worthwhile performance.
2: Yeah, um, I'm gonna be incensed if this Michigan team ends up being the only only team from the Big Ten that makes the Sweet 16. Like if they actually end up doing it, uh, and like like I don't know. Obviously, more more stuff has to happen. Like Purdue would oh, have Purdue there. Oh, producing. My bad. Uh, like uh, more just uh, like the fact. Like, okay, Wisconsin's out. Ohio State, which Ohio State did you know, get unlucky with the draw. Injuries really hurt them this year. I do think that somebody will hate me for this, but I think Ohio State's a better team than, than Michigan on aggregate. Um, if this team just like got through the absolute shitstorm that was the Big Ten this year, and actually, <laughs> like, I I can't, man. Uh, <laughs> wow. All right. Well, Jake. This was an absolute blast, man. Uh it was really good to catch up. I'm looking forward to doing this again next weekend. Um yes. Cuz we're going to have even more to catch up on. Uh luckily in a I I always love the rush of the first weekend, uh but also I hate it at the same time because like I just want to uh I want to relax a little bit and actually get to you know uh, digest everything, but um, you know, like you keep flipping around games like ah, I want to I want to watch this, but I want to watch this, too. Like we don't have to do that next weekend. No, so I'm looking forward that to is, that. That
3: is not for the first weekend.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, Jake, I appreciate you meant to everyone listening. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Tag the Rule. Shoot us any questions, comments, thoughts. We always want to hear from you and get your feedback. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day.
0: And thank you for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader.